had a safe word. Where it's it, like no, Tiger dad, Woods and his father. Yeah, yeah. We're like, no, you're pushing too hard, Dad. And that mm -hmm. wasn't even the safe word. It was like cucumber or something like that. It it was enough. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. It was enough. <laughs> cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Jason Lafferty. I'm your host, Dylan Dentremont. We are two dudes who review books. How's it going, dude? It, it's it's going amazing. Uh, yeah, no, I, everything's going great. Things are just kind of clicking. Right on. And I, I can't I can't complain about it whatsoever right now. Um, Good deal. I would I would like to attribute it to this book, but you know. Uh, I don't think I can. How how are you? I'm I'm good. We're uh we're entering the last week of school. Um and is this that... like an ever situation? Never there's no ever school. <laughs> no, no, no. We we it, it the last week of school for this year before summer, I suppose I should say. Okay. So yeah, last week of school before summer. It always comes with it with its own share of fun and tribulation as kids grapple with leaving their friends and teachers behind for two months and teachers figure out what to do with that it's not easy I no mean, yeah for, for a lot of kids um school is the best place in their lives even if they don't always realize it offhand usually a small part of them does because that's where their friends are it's where adults that care about them are. It's where their food is. Um, so for many children, um, school not being available during the summer is very negatively impactful. I bet. I, I bet. I bet you that it's it's hard. And I, I don't think I can. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't say I love school, but I couldn't. I don't know if I could imagine it. That would be my happy place. Does that yeah. make sense? I mean, I think yeah. that there's a lot of, I mean, and this is as an educator, I've been teaching for almost a decade. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'd like to change about our educational system, but there's a lot of good that comes from it. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that over the summer, we take away kind of uh, like arbitrarily, really, <laughs> uh, we take away a lot of that good uh, that school gives to kids and we as a society we don't do a very good job replacing it for many students particularly students who are um, who are the farthest from privilege etc right it, it's really really hard on them my kids you know they have a ton of summer activities and they have a dad who's a teacher and they're going to go on learning over the summer and feeling successful and that's just not true for everybody yeah 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 i you and know that, as, happy note <laughs> i was gonna say you know i i 
did not expect that to come up <laughs> so, so so early in the conversation sure sure sorry yeah. sure to be the no, Dylan downer no, here <laughs> no i wouldn't say it's a Dylan downer i think it's just it's a reality mm-hmm. that not everyone is aware of and not everyone is facing sure yeah so, i think yeah. people just don't think about it particularly people that don't yeah. have kids um you know adults that do have kids maybe they don't see the larger context i know a lot of my friends in the neighborhood that I live in right now, like they don't, they don't think of it that way. They think of it as yeah. time for vacation and time for fun summer activities. And for a lot of kids, that's true. It's just not true of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about a book. Yes. We're, we're here to talk about, we're here to talk about Ryan Holiday's Stillness is the Key. Stillness is key for sure. Um, which we we have already reviewed obstacles the way mm-hmm. um and that was a book that i kind of introduced you to yes um and you did the same thing i did and bought the box set yep but then you had carried on mm-hmm. forged your own path that's how i you roll car- you carried on and you read stillness is the key yeah um, i I read all three uh, of the box set. Ego is the enemy. Stillness is key. Obstacle is the way. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely did carry on. You not only read, read Stillness is the key one time, you've gone back multiple times to read it as I'm, if I'm hearing this all correct. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. I thought that the stories he tells in Stillness is key are really compelling. I'm sure we'll get to more of that, but this is definitely a book um, that I've had on my read, reread um, cycle here for uh, the this uh, the past you know seven eight months, and I can completely see that because uh, looking at the the audio, um, I want to say the audio was about eight hours. Uh, maybe it was a little longer, but the the chapters were really short yeah mm-hmm. right so like mm-hmm. there's a the chapter kicks off it kicks off and there's about you know good a good 20 30 minutes of reading in the first chapter of every section mm-hmm. um and then it's these short little chapters that are, are quick to read so it's a really easy book to to reread and then it's a really easy book to like just pick up a chapter and read a chapter uh, you sit down and you could read a chapter less than 10 minutes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. the eight the eight hour read time surprises me a little bit. The the book is um 260 pages. I'm gonna confirm it. I'm gonna sure, find out yeah. what it is. The, the book is 200 about 260 pages, I think 258 or something. Um, most of the chapters are less than 10 pages long. There mm-hmm. are a lot of them. The book is broken into kind of three sections that are, <clears throat> excuse me, roughly equal. And the first section is uh, part one, your mind, uh, part two, spirit, and part three, uh, body. And so, you know, looking over the table of contents here, I've got it in front of me. The overwhelming majority of the chapters are only like six or seven oh, yeah. pages long. Yeah. Oh, so I relooked 
it is it is seven hours almost okay. on the nose okay uh of of reading time but that all depends on i don't know how they base that whether that's based on the yeah. the average reader or is that based on do they just have an intern and they tell them to read the book <laughs> and they go intern you get there's yeah. your number folks my yeah. jet my personal calculation for the reader that i am it's about a, a minute a page you know and obviously if there's illustrations Ooh. i tend to not that it's not extra um these this this particular uh, version of the book that we have uh, i don't believe contains any illustrations so yeah 260 pages i could see it being about seven hours i guess for yeah. for somebody yeah so how do you want to how do you want to get into this book there's a Let's, lot there's a lot to unpack yeah i'd suggest we just kind of go uh, not chapter by chapter because there's a lot of really small chapters but uh the structure of the book is generally built around these three areas right mind spirit body and each of them, while it mentions more than one person, does tend to focus kind of around one individual. So like, for example, the first part, um, you know, after you get to the introduction and you get to uh, part one, which is mind, it talks a lot about President Kennedy um, and how and and his experiences, particularly during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now they circle back around to Kennedy and some of his weaknesses, but this first one was really talking about finding that cultivating stillness within your mind. Yeah, I, I yeah, the stillness within your mind, the the Kennedy thing, um, I I liked it a lot. I, mm-hmm. I liked it. I I the history part of it, um, but. I, I think I even I even drew something in my journal uh, for the knot of war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought the knot of war was really that 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 metaphor. And I forget who writes it's someone who writes Kennedy. And they're talking it's about his, the knot of war. Yeah, it's his Russian counterpart. That's uh, what it was. Ba- it's yeah. the guy that he was negotiating with. I don't have his name right in front of me. I want to say there's a K in it. Kovachki. Or... <laughs> yeah. But he, he says that, and I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here, but he says, you, you, you know, if we pull on both sides long enough, we will never be able to unravel the knot of war. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that spoke to me from a you know historical kind of relationship reason or current situation reasons, um, but that that spoke to me in a lot of different levels. I mean, it spoke to me as a as a country, yeah. and all the all the stuff that we're going through right now as a country. Mm-hmm. It, it spoke to me in some of my relationships and going wow i'm i'm pulling on this when I, when I really shouldn't be yeah um uh i i found that i i found it really good i i i i don't know what else to say there i just found that that section i probably could have just read that the that mind section mm-hmm. and just stopped sure yeah I, it yeah i i thought it was really good um I, I like 
I like the fact, um, and there's a quote in the mind section um, around not being the smartest person in the room, but mm-hmm. being the stillest person in the room. And I've been around enough leaders where they're like, you know, you, you got to be the smartest person in the room. And, I, you know, I really agree with, I think we got to be the stillest person in the room. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said when, you know, the, the world is being disturbed around you that you're just, you're that calm one in the water. Well, and there's, there, there's a callback there to ego as the enemy in that if you're so as a leader, if you're trying, if you're spending a lot of energy trying to look like the smartest person in the room, you're, you're, if you're defending your ego so vociferously, then it's unlikely that you're actually making the best decisions because your decisions, unfortunately, are going to be colored by you trying to defend your ego as opposed to being still and calm, setting your ego aside and actually seeing things as they really are. And he talks in these chapters about truly being present. That means not being tied up in your ego, right? That means actually seeking human connection uh, and being in the here and now. He talks about limiting your inputs, right? When you have to make big decisions or even small decisions, right? Limiting who has access to you, limiting what you're consuming as far as media, et cetera, limiting your inputs, emptying the mind, right? Putting all that extra stuff aside. And that's really the way to find stillness is to not be distracted by all these extra thoughts. In fact, it's very um, adjacent to a lot of the stuff that we read about Eastern philosophy as far as meditation and kind of just being clear, moving those extra thoughts aside uh, as if they were clouds in the sky and just letting them pass, right? So being able to slow down. And, and again, I appreciate that you bring up that kind of very Western ideal about looking like the smartest person in the room, sounding like the smartest person in the room. That doesn't, even if you are, that smart people delude themselves all the time into thinking that they have all the answers. The the wise person is willing to find wisdom anywhere. Yeah. Um, The other thing that, the thing that really kind of, and this is a callback, not to uh, another Ryan Holiday book, but a, a callback to um, Hunt Gather Parent. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're you're looking for that stillness, I mean, we've both been around toddlers. Or for you, you're around. I I don't a, a screaming classroom, probably not a screaming classroom, but a chaotic. Uh, my a cha- classroom sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> a, a chaotic classroom right? uh, at times. Fair, yeah. And you know, there's all this. You've got all, and this you've got this sensory overload with a toddler of I want this, I want that. You're trying to cook dinner. You're thinking about what needs to be done later as far as getting everything together. And I'm like, how do you find stillness in this moment? How do you be the calmest person in this situation mm. when the 
there's this level of chaos going on around you that is just just flooding you with inputs and and that is the true challenge that's why stillness is key being able to decide what you can afford to ignore and i do this in teaching all the time right if i nitpicked at my students every time they got distracted every time they played with something in their desk every time they tipped their chair back every time they didn't have their voices completely off uh, that would be really first of all that would be stressful for me right and if i were constantly um allowing myself frankly to be bombarded with that information then doing the task that I'm there to do to connect with students and educate them would be nearly impossible. I would be spending all my time with these distractions. Kids have enough distractions on their plate, right? <laughs> so it's my job as the adult to limit my inputs, to control what I can control, to decide what behavior I can just let go. And that's even one of the, the his piece of advice is from here, let go, just let go um and and yeah. again that's go ahead i was gonna say I, you know i feel like it's really easy to say just let go um mm -hmm. and maybe you know i i feel like i've gotten better at it and maybe does it just take take practice and experience to let go in these situations and you know having i i, I keep going back i having a three-year-old having mm -hmm. uh, you know, having the bean mm -hmm. being three it's just letting go when everything's going on i is so hard yeah it, it is and i i guess i have to imagine that you being in a classroom and there's a a constant exposure to it to some degree or another mm -hmm. uh that you just it's it's experience to find that let go yeah and that's that's how you get there and i would add that you're you or me or anybody else uh with rare exception is likely to read this book and be like oh yeah of course that's easy <laughs> boom got it right like these just like meditation just like weightlifting just like honing yourself at your craft or your sport it takes time and practice and you're gonna mess it up you're, there are going to be times when you are not calm and you're going to look back at that. You, you're going to be like, eh, dang it. I, I probably didn't need to say something. I probably didn't need to respond to that question. I probably didn't need to uh, have a lecture when instead just looking at that student could have done the trick, right? Yeah. So I think being okay, and this is true, folks, with, with any personal development you you have a checklist or you have some guidelines and you focus on what you can you control what you can you accept that you're not going to do it perfectly every single time and so when you mess it up you're honest and reflective about that and then you try to do better next time you know yeah. the people the people that he's talking about here like kennedy in particular in the first time he does not get it right every time Kennedy has uh -huh. some real weaknesses that are then brought up later 
um, that even though, you know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, he had his act together, but there was a previous fiasco, the Bay of Pigs, where he did not have his act together. He allowed himself to be distracted, dominated by ego and other people. Yeah. It did not work out well for our nation. Um, and then there are, of course, other episodes uh, built on Kennedy's appetites um, that did not work out well for him and his reputation and his family's reputation. So don't don't read this expecting to be and i'll say this to you like it's okay like it's okay that you're looking at those situations and being like dang it's hard yeah it's hard we can't do it overnight yeah uh we can't and uh one of the things that this book like a lot that this book helped me take away was you know cultivating cultivating the silence yes and uh planning out silence and Mm -hmm. and utilizing silence to your advantage Mm -hmm. um and so i've started you know uh i've started like you know taking walks more i've started uh you know just just sitting sitting quietly in a room just Mm -hmm. letting my thoughts thoughts wander uh the other thing, the big thing that I've started doing, and I forget where it played out in the book. It might have been, it might have been mind. Maybe it, it pulled into spirit, but uh, journaling, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and journaling your thoughts. And I think I think that is one of the ways that, at least for me, that's helping kind of create that that stillness. Is I'll sit down and I'll write. A, you know, if I have a, a big lingering decision, you know, I'll write out, you know, here's what I control in the situation. Here's, here's, you know, here's where the outcome should be between now and then, you know, I really can't, I, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. Right. Are there, mm-hmm. here's what I can do. And yeah. I, I feel like that's really helps like, you know, writing down, Hey, I probably could have done better with the, you know, the kiddo in this moment. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. should, you know how do i remember this for next time right um, so and yeah that that cultivating silence we that, we uh, talk about journaling as a way to hold a mirror up to your thoughts up to your actions in short up holding a mirror up to your mind right it's easy to get in front of a physical mirror and you kind of see where you you need to shave or, or, or whatever you got to do to, you can look at yourself, your physical body and say, you know, I, I wish I were more this or more that, or how can I improve myself in that way? Journaling is a very powerful way of holding a mirror up to your own mind to get your thoughts out of your mind and onto paper and really allow you to examine them. And like you said, putting our actions in many ways, on paper to examine them and think about how we can improve our performance. I, I think that uh, journaling is probably one of the more powerful recommendations in this book. Um, in addition to the fact that I think I would argue that journaling is a way of cultivating silence as well, to just find a space where you're away and kind of alone with your thoughts. I think that's really what it's asking you to pursue. And it, it is something you can do in a, a crazy hustle and bustle. If you just, if you stop and, you know, 
there'll be noises going on around you and you stop and you just write just write a few sentences of what's going on right now in your head and mm-hmm. then you you walk away from it i i find that that's helping me sure just just putting four or five thoughts and maybe it's something i want to remember something like that mm-hmm. but well, journaling. journaling the, power, the power of journaling yeah you know it's shown to help heal trauma it helps you with your relationships it helps you be more reflective in the execution of your job and other duties right it can help you be a better spouse it can help you be a better father um, i think it's a powerful practice both within the context of stillness is the key which yeah. is what we're reviewing today <laughs> but also outside of that yeah. Yeah. So so what made you go back and read the book again? Like you've and I'm I'm assuming how many times do you feel you've read the book by now? Um probably four or five, I think, cover okay. to cover. Yeah. So what what cover to cover five times? So yeah. what what's made you go back and read it five times? What what draws me to to this book and books like it is the kind of the balance of um, historical story making and people that were really alive that have practiced these lessons, and also just kind of talking and digesting what they did, right? I feel like if it were just a historical book about what Winston Churchill did, or what what Tiger Woods did, or what Robert or what uh, JFK did, it would not be as interesting to me. But the balance of you know, here are some of the actions that they took and here's fitting those actions within the context of Stoic philosophy, within the context of this idea of the importance of stillness. That was really appealing to me. I think the other thing that was really appealing to me was um, Tiger Woods' story. Uh, And it's not that- That's spirit. That's where Tiger Woods showed up. Yeah, it's all about spirit. And it was really interesting to me because that section in particular. So first of all, I love Winston Churchill. So the third section, uh, the body section, I really enjoyed reading for that on its own merit. Um, But the Tiger Woods section, who I didn't know a lot about his story, um, was especially interesting to me because it it showed the dark side of his success. And I think a lot of people have seen some of that come out in the media, but it really helped provide a lot of uh, context for me about the the dark side of why and how he is so successful. Basically um, being trained slash tortured for hours by his father, who was not always the nicest guy. Um, and psychological torture and, and kind of a, a physical pushing your limits. His dad did a number on him as far as you're going to be the best. And this is how you're going to be the best thing. And it equipped him with a mindset, obviously that allowed him to be very successful at one thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I very, and the, I, the part of it, and I, I think I really liked about in this book is it's let's get nerdy for a second folks sure right so it's very like it's very like star warsy and mm. going going to the dark side type yeah. thing here because he was successful very successful still is successful um 
but he had in uh, fueled by some some anger some some frustration some you know his his why wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily strong it was just mm-hmm. you're going to do this and yeah it it showed it showed a lot of darkness and i i read that and going there are times that i've said to myself well i'm going to i'm going to show them and i'm going to do this type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that's 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 dangerous yes yes yeah. absolutely and that's also not to say that that a person an individual can't be can't perform at a high level and and be balanced right tiger woods is an example i think obviously of someone that was not balanced um so i think people can't perform at a high level and be balanced but i think that it, you got to be careful with it and it it was really illuminating for me to see more of his story to both shed light on why and how he was so successful and why and how he had some of the epic failures of his adult life so that was really interesting for me and then ryan holiday of course draws from that like okay so here's maybe what was missing how can we learn from this to help us be more balanced um present mindful still people by seeing what happens when maybe we have stillness but really only in one little tiny aspect of our lives um yeah how can we bring that everywhere for sure yeah um god sorry i i just i my mind wandered because there's so much i i really like how the book broke down this um to mind spirit and body because Mm -hmm. i I feel like when i read other uh stoic workings i don't know why i said like that that's how i said it (laughs) um there was a lot of well a lot of mind for me there Mm -hmm. and to break it down um like this it has really helped me think about stoic philosophy differently and how you mentioned balance, um, you know, uh, Tiger Woods was probably uh, did not have a stoic, a stoic body or a stoic mind. Um, maybe some of it, but maybe some stoic body. We'll see, yeah, but it, there's probably some golf routine in there that was a stoic body, <laughs> but definitely not necessarily a stoic mind and kind of having that balance and knowing when you know it's like it's 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 wandering for me right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know why why am i being so you know why is my mind wandering or how can i get back to it or why is why is my routine broken how do i get back to it and and routine folks is what is one of the big things they talk about in body yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely a big aspect about that one the one the one last thing i think i wanted to mention about the spirit chapter is that it talks about conquering your anger and the reason that i bring it up is that um it is actually a really big theme of stoic philosophy overall if you look at the writings of marcus aurelius um he he writes 
he writes a lot about conquering anger. Um, and it's important to remember that Meditations um, is his own journal. And by that, I think that we can uh, infer that he struggles that Marcus Aurelius, one of the greatest writers of Stoic philosophy, struggled with anger himself, right? That's his journal. That's him holding a mirror up to his own mind. And through that, we can see that conquering anger, managing anger, controlling your anger uh, is a major theme of Stoic philosophy. And I think if you look at just a lot of the terrible things that happen in our world today, people being unable to manage their negative feelings and control their anger is a pretty significant contributor to a lot of the negative stuff that happens in our world. So I just wanted to make a plug for controlling your anger, managing your desires, uh, understanding that what you have and what you are is enough and that we got to keep it in control. And, and, and Facebook is not journaling. Facebook is not journaling. Uh, let's be very clear on that. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. Crystal, Folks. please. Yes. Yeah. It's not helping you. <laughs> it's not. Um, yeah. I, you know, I feel like I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread. You went back and you read, you read yes. it cover to cover. I think I'm probably going to go back and read spirit again. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's just a lot, a lot there around dealing with anger, controlling your anger, uh, you know, and I, I feel like I read the Tiger Woods thing and it's like, God, how do I make sure I'm pushing the bean correctly mm -hmm. and not like pushing her beyond the brink? Like they had a, they had a safe word. They didn't call it a safe word. I don't think it was but a safe they, word. Yeah. They had a, they had a, they had a safe word. It's like no Tiger dad, Woods and his father. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, no, you're pushing too hard, dad. And that mm -hmm. wasn't even the safe word. It was like cucumber or something like that. It it was enough. Oh yeah. That's yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It was enough. <laughs> cucumber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enough. Well, and even as I'm looking, even as I'm looking over my notes, right, and looking over the Tiger Woods section, right? It it talks about things that we could make a whole podcast about, about healing your inner child, right? About the, the wounds that Tiger Woods had, had, the wounds that Tiger Woods sustained as a child never were fully healed. And that's, I think, why you see some of what's going on. It talks about being wary of desire. It talks about the value of enough. It talks about accepting a higher power, even if that's not God, right? Accepting that yeah. things are going to happen that are outside of your control, accepting mm -hmm. uh, that one should enter relationships, conquer anchor, and that everything is connected and that you're connected to everything as well. We could do a whole podcast just on one of these sections. Well, right? yeah, you, we could do a whole podcast just on healing, healing wounds and mm -hmm. whether they're childhood wounds that have not been resolved yet or you know recent wounds that have happened that left unchecked will fester 
well, basically, and, uh, basically setting boundaries is what yeah, we're talking about to some degree. And I think managing your anger is also one way to make sure that slights against you don't become wounds. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Uh, come on, uh, grow up, right? You don't need to get angry about that. They're, they're You're going to be me. okay. Put your ego away and don't get angry. Manage your don't anger get, and there angry. will be no wounds, right? Uh, and a lot of our a lot of our wounds are self-inflicted and a lot of that self-inflicting comes through our actions and thoughts when we are angry. So if you only had one takeaway from the spirit chapter um <laughs> in addition to, you know, uh learning from the foibles of Tiger Woods, it would be to to manage that anger because if if you can only do one thing, particularly I'll say as a parent or as a teacher or as a leader of people, managing your anger is pretty paramount. Uh, I would say uh, only um, followed closely by managing your ego as well. I would say as someone in society, not just a teacher and all that, mm. as someone in society, managing your anger and 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 also knowing that everybody's going to have a bad day we don't know what people are dealing with but well in all of those things managing your anger pressing your ego aside managing your thoughts seeing beauty having relationships all of those contribute to the overarching goal of this book which is the acknowledgement that stillness is key Yep. Being able to stay cool, calm, and collected, come hell or high water, uh, the rock while the tide surges around <laughs> you, right? And, and to be able to find that space, no matter what's going on around you, even if it's stuff that would make other people angry, it doesn't need to make you angry. Um, no. That's the whole message of the book is no. that we got to be able to find that stillness. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're at a spot where we're going to start talking about body. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Winston Churchill. Uh, I, I thought an, uh, when I read, when I first read the body section, I thought it was going to be some like penultimate, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. You know, that was sort of the vision that I had when I started the section. And they talk about Winston Churchill. And, and it took me and, a little oh, bit. And oil painting. That's very, yes. let's be very clear. Like, yes. that's what we, and we, t it's like, okay, I've read a lot about Winston Churchill. Uh, um, but apparently not anything about oil painting. No, no. Although, <laughs> although incidentally, I think I was watching an episode of Antiques Roadshow where they, they had one of Winston Churchill's oil paintings. It, it is a thing. <laughs> So, he has but, a book on it. He has a book yeah, on, on absolutely. But and this, a, go ahead. Well, and what I was going to say is is why he oil paints. And I, 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 not sequential to the the body chapter, but whatsoever. But I found it really interesting on why he oil paints. He was oil painting, and it got brought to him by his uh, sister in law. Mm -hmm. And it was after the war mm -hmm. and he was painting and it was actually during, it was during the war. And then after the war that he, and then he really started using it and it was used as, as therapy, but before he was oil painting, his sister saw anger. 
Mm. His sister saw this, this, this angry guy and through oil painting, he found, he found stillness. And what I really liked about that is they go on to say that you find that hobby that is using that, a different part of your brain. So you're not overloading that, that circuit in your brain Mm -hmm. and continuing to talk about, do, you know, take action towards, think about, you know, those things that are disturbing your stillness. Um, For me, it's not oil painting, but uh, for me, it's cooking. Okay. Yeah. Cooking, cooking is where I, I find still, I find it stillness now cooking versus when I cooked in restaurants because that was, that was not stillness. That was not stillness. That was not stillness. But I would, I think that was the biggest thing I took away from body is uh, cultivating a hobby that creates stillness. Yeah. And, you know, Churchill does not just do painting. He does like bricklaying he does a ton of reading he was a historian his political his political career was not all rainbows and butterflies right he was it even in a state of quasi exile (laughs) from um the uh the political community before he took on the mantle of leadership during uh world war ii so there, there's a lot, there's a lot to him, and I appreciated the chapter about Winston as well because it does kind of show, you know, there are trials and tribulations, but we prepare ourselves for those in some very specific ways. We prepare ourselves for those hard times by getting good rest, by having a routine, by finding peace and tranquility by having hobbies that are going to help break us away from those stressful areas of our life. Um, so I, I thought that it was good to see, hey, here's a high-performing person, um, but at the same time, look at all the other areas of his life where he was preparing for this really high level of intensity of leadership that he had to come up with right? That didn't just happen overnight, right? Kind of like we were talking about earlier. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. That was years of study and preparation and failure to get him to that place where he was ready to do those things. Yeah, he was cultivating an environment which allowed him to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, When they talked about routine, I have a a pretty, I have a a, a routine and Mm -hmm. I like to stick to my routine. Um, mainly my routine, mainly part of my routine is focused around what I wear, but Mm -hmm. you know, for, for the most part, I have a pretty strong routine. Now, Winston Churchill, his part of his routine was he woke up at the same time every day Mm -hmm. and didn't talk to his wife until noon Mm -hmm. at lunch because good marriages lasted longer if you didn't talk to your spouse until noon i thought that was an interesting one <laughs> I, I told the wife i told the wife this and uh-huh. her response was along the lines of well at least don't talk to me until i've had coffee uh, 
Well, and you know, in my in my home, it's not unusual for me to be, I'll, I'll get up and I'll go downstairs and I'll read or listen to a podcast, right? And by the way, for our listening audience, finding some stillness, some solitude early in the morning, going to work early before people get there or getting up before the other people in your home get up, <clears throat> highly recommended ways to find a little bit of stillness. That can be your journaling time. I use that time to listen to podcasts or read, um, but it's a fantastic opportunity to do that. But in my home, it's not unusual for me to get up and I'll go off and I'll do, you know, reading or listening to a podcast and my wife will be awake, but will stay, you know, in her room and she will read or listen to a podcast or an audio book during that time as well. So I think what, when I look at what he was doing and kind of compared to what I was doing, in a way he's also giving his wife an opportunity to find some stillness, to find some solitude and a little bit of peace. Um, and yeah, it's he, not- he's cultivating that, that, that space and silence for his wife, mm -hmm. yep. which, was very nice of him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, while I, I agree, it does sound a little bit strange to say, well, good marriages are built on less talk. I don't think that that's entire. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think marriages are built on no talk. But if both people have opportunities to find some solitude, to pursue their own interests, to do their own thing, I think that it makes them better able to bring their best selves to all of their relationships and all of their endeavors, not just marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you got to have that routine. I think that routine also has to be based on, I don't think everyone should go out there and be like, well, I'm going to be like Churchill and I'm not going to speak to anyone, speak to my <laughs> wife until, until noon. You know, I think about, uh, quiet um the book quiet and the mm -hmm. if you're introvert extrovert type thing so mm -hmm. if your spouse is is one and you're the other that routine may be a little bit different for both of you yeah. or if you're if you're both introverts mm -hmm. i guess i could or extroverts i could see that you get up and start chatting with each other yeah right away so. my wife and i do this thing where we call uh, it might sound strange to people in the world but it's, <laughs> it's alone together um and yeah. it's we used to do this more frequently we still do it now but we'll be in the same room in the same space um just doing our own thing uh, playing a video game or, or separately or reading different books or listening to music or podcasts on our own through our own headset and just being in each other's company, but not feeling the need, the pressure to entertain that other person. And I think that that's a valuable kind of middle state as well, to be able to spend time with another person and cultivate a relationship without the pressure of, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to be the center of attention, I have to entertain or impress this person. Um, and so that was kind of what the not speaking to one's wife until <laughs> then reminded me of. Yeah. Alone together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so you'd mentioned that you thought it was more like the, the chapter was going to be more like, you know, 
Arnold pump you up type thing. Yeah. Um, what was your big key takeaway in this chapter? The key takeaway was that the body needs healing. The, the, we can't go, 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 go all the time. And as we heal our body, as we sleep, as we take time to break away from chaos, as we find hobbies that are not stressful, we are not only healing our bodies, we're healing our minds as well and putting ourselves in a good mental state to be able to take on whatever challenges we do have in our lives. So I was taking the body thing to be, yeah, a little bit more, oorah, how are you going to yeah. make yourself as healthy and awesome and muscular yeah. as possible? And it wasn't about that at all. It, it was about the healthy part, but how, how the actions of your body and what you choose to do with it, whether you're choosing to go for a walk or sit on your buns and watch YouTube and be entertained, like those choices ultimately feed in, into a stillness of your mind that then allows you to be your best self in other uh, more demanding situations. Yeah, I, I found it really interesting that he basically invented the swoot, Winston Churchill. Uh -huh. He had a sleeping suit. Right. Yes. He had a sleeping suit that he could he could nap in throughout the day, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then just get up and start talking or start doing what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. He cultivated his environment where he could he could nap. Very nice. <laughs> Mildly jealous. I, I'm yeah. I am not a big napper. I I think I tried it. For a while back in the day uh it's not part of my routine <laughs> but uh i have a very close friend who is big on napping she she loves to nap it is a big part of her routine um and so i can definitely see the value in it she no. does not have a swoop <laughs> maybe. maybe maybe she needs to read this chapter just for the swoot <laughs> yeah uh, there's probably a market for the winston churchill swoot so what are your big uh takeaways uh from stillness is key by ryan holiday i i i really think my biggest takeaway is the cultivating uh cultivating silence mm -hmm. um I, there's a lot of takeaways from this book yes um, but the, the cultivated silence, it, it, it takes me back to um, the four square and think like a monk, you know, the, the think, burn, do uh, space um, and f creating that, that, that space, that stillness, um, whether it's you're doing it through journaling, you're scheduling time throughout the day. You're you're taking a walk. Winston Churchill was big on taking a walk yes, and, and absolutely. Fe feeding the ducks. Even at Christmas time, he was mm -hmm. like, "Oh no, this is my routine." Um. So really, finding that, um, and creating that was my big thing. And then also, the the quote that stuck with me was, you know, being the stillest person in the room. Yeah. Um. That's one of those things that was like, oh yeah, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I just need to be the stillest person in, in yeah, the conversation. You know, I liken being smart 
it, it, it matters what direction that smart is pointed, right? Because it, it, the, the, um, the adage of being the fastest runner on the track but running the wrong direction, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't matter how fast you are if you can't control that. And what no. stillness is key is helping us to do is find the control, find the peace. And it gives, I mean, it is, you know, three sections, 30 whatever chapters of how can we find that stillness? How can we find that control to help us be really good at what we want to be really good at, regardless yeah. of what that might be for you? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, you've read it a lot. I've yeah. asked you this question already, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if you could distill it down to one, one key takeaway on your first read of this book, what would you say? I would say that um, the key takeaway would be stillness is the key. <laughs> such a, I feel like you just summed up the whole book. That's a cop out. No, it is. Um, but if I were to go a little further, it would be like you had said, make time to find peace make time to find peace. If that looks like journaling for you, fine. If that looks like taking more walks, fine. If that looks like sitting alone in an empty room locked away from other people at your cabin, fine. But make time to find peace. Winston Churchill did it through bricklaying and painting and taking walks. Um, uh, I do it through alone together or getting up early in the morning, or I tend to go to work really early too, uh, up to an hour before my colleagues arrive so that I can find the time to find some peace. So that would be the big takeaway that I would offer people make the time to find that peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure talking about this book and I'm sure we're going to talk about it again. For sure. Uh, Even today we talked about we talked about meditations. We talked about think like a monk. We talk about hunt, gather, parent, right? All quiet. these things have these great, yeah, quiet. All these things have these great ideas that are definitely interconnected. And I hope our listening audience is seeing that as well. Yeah. yeah. Hearing that well, as well? Whatever you're doing out there. <laughs> hearing, seeing, maybe they're picturing us talking. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. well dylan it has always been a pleasure thank you um, very much good luck on your last few weeks of school thank you i'm gonna need it yeah and then i will uh talk to you i don't want to see you again that sounds when, great when we, when we talk again man take say care hi to, my dude say, yeah say hi to the girls for me will do you too all right all right mm, bye bye our podcast was originally recorded on Zoom. Special thanks to Skillsoul on Pixabay for providing our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please hit the like and subscribe button on your podcast provider. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes Review Books. Let us know what you think we should review. Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing. 
keep pursuing what's important to you and keep listening to our podcast. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> 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 <laughs>